is good to see you. Thank you for being with us today for worship. And I'm glad that you have come to be in the house of the Lord. And it's good to, to see you this Sabbath. Let me just begin by reminding us and helping us to kind of get on the same page again. And just appeal to your heart that four weeks from now, exactly four weeks if I'm not mistaken, Crosshook Jakarta is going to be in the house. In the house meeting is going to be here in Jakarta. And uh, the ministry is working, putting things together. But when we're trying to do the work of the Lord, it cannot be the hands of one person or two, two people. It has to be everybody. And so we're asking you if the Lord is inspiring your heart, if you got a little bit of, uh, if you got a little money to spend, uh, a little bit of extra, why don't you invest that in the work of the Lord and let God lead you and your family to new heights. Because when you partner with God, listen to me carefully. When you partner with God, God is able to elevate you. Amen, somebody? All right. Now, I want us to get quickly into uh, the sermon this morning because I don't have too much time. But in this series, we are trying to help you to understand that if you're going to take your life to the next level, you have got to disrupt certain things about yourself. There's got to be new patterns that you lay down. There's got to be new thinking uh, 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 ways that you adapt if you are actually going to elevate in your life. And what I loved about last week's sermon was Pastor helping us to understand that David's life is often pictured in the grandest schemes. This young man who defeats Goliath. But in reality, what started with David was in the, in the fields. What's, what really changed David's life is when he was a shepherd and he was fighting bears and lions, which elevated him and prepared him for what he actually faced in Goliath. And so for some of you, that is how God is going to work. It's not going to be the big things in your life. It's going to be the seemingly insignificant things in your life that God is going to do something big with in your life. If you have your Bibles... I want you to flip with me to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. And that's what we're going to play at this morning in Genesis chapter number 21. And when you got to say amen. Yeah, I'm going to need a little bit more talk from you this morning. I mean, come on, man. Let, let, let's do it. If you got to say amen. Yeesh. Okay. All right. We're going to try to get you warmed up a little bit this morning. Now, I, I want to read... A lot of scripture this morning in Genesis chapter 21 and verse number one. A little bit of context. Isaac has been born. Ishmael has been living for 13 years. And now there's a bit of a conflict. Do these two boys live together? And, and the parents have to figure this out, you know, because sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to make tough decisions. And this is where we are in Abraham's life. It's a tough decision and a tough situation, and I want you to just pay attention to the story this, this morning. Genesis 21 and verse number 21, the Bible says, And the child grew and was weaned. Every mother in the house is looking forward to the day when the baby is no longer drinking milk and, 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 and needing all that kind of stuff. You're looking forward to your child developing, and this is what we have. The child grew and was weaned. And I want somebody to hear me this morning. You're also going to grow and you're going to be weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. 
But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, laughing. Sometimes when you read scripture, you just got to pause. So she said to Abraham, cast out the slave woman with her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son. Hold up, Sarah. Doesn't the son have a name? She doesn't give him a name. That's important. But God said to Abraham, and the thing was was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, husbands, pay attention to this. Whatever your wife says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I'll make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. I love how David, Abraham handled the situation because even though it was difficult, he treated her with respect and honor. The, the, the verse continues, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the water under one of her, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat. Because sometimes that's all you can do. Opposite him a good way off, about a distance of a bow shot, for she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And maybe somebody's facing death this morning. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept, and the God, then, and God heard the voice of the boy. Interesting. The mother cried, but God heard the boy. So who was really praying right here? <laughs> Interesting. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, What troubles you, Hagar? I kind of was offended by this question because I'm like, God, can you not see what is troubling her? But sometimes God is not, is not, is not, is not that he's not concerned about what you're going through, but he wants you to elevate your eyes. What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Hmm. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy. And he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Let us pray. Father God, thank you because this day is yours and I'm asking you to take me to levels I've never been today. I pray, Lord, for a brother and a sister listening that you may elevate them too, that this word will be a, a word for them and that it would elevate them too. In Jesus' name, amen. See, often, the only way to resolve the disruption is to create more disruption. A saying goes, to calm the storm, you must be the wind. In other words, you you must tackle the disruption with strategic disruption of your own. 
Meaning that the only way to peace is to bring more turbulence in your life. You see, I really want to aim this sermon at somebody this morning who is in a situation that they regret. You have made a decision and as you sit right now, you are like, man, I wish I didn't make that decision. And you feel so crippled by the decision that you're no longer living your life as you should. This sermon is for you. Because I want you to understand that you can get out of the disruption. You can get out of what is, is troubling you. You just got to be strategic by introducing some, what I call, good chaos in your life. There's got to be some turbulence that you allow yourself to go through because you want to correct the situation. And I want to argue my case this morning by telling you, Stack your disruptions. Can we say that together? Stack your disruptions. Stack, you don't have to say it no more, but thank you for trying to do it. Amen, somebody. Stack your disruptions. And I want to argue my case for maybe the 20 minutes that I got from the book or the text that I read this morning. Here we have an interesting situation. A wife, Sarah, tells her husband, Abraham, get rid of the son of the slave woman and get rid of the woman. That's a disruptive situation. But Sarah understood something that we often misunderstand. And that some decisions are so disruptive that the only way to fix it is you got to bring something equally disruptive in your life. Amen, nobody. This is why breakups exist. This is why termination exists. This is why surgery exists. This is why lawsuits exist. This is why sometimes you go through bad things and you don't understand because somebody is so disrupted by the situation, they feel like the only way to make this better is I have to create chaos to get rid of this situation. And Sarah understood that this morning, understood that. She said, look, I have a son, he's young, this son has been around, these two boys cannot coexist. And I got to make a hard decision. Who am I going to keep around? Obviously, I'm going to keep around Isaac because he is my son. And it's quite interesting that Sarah understood this at a very important point or moment in the life of Isaac. Mothers, I see it here all the time, here at JCC, when your boy or your, your baby has a birthday, you bring toys and, 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 and presents and you celebrate it. And sometimes you say, hey, Pastor, pray for my, for my, for my son or my child. It, you, we celebrate birthdays. Some of, for, some of you even celebrate uh, months of your, of your child. It's month number one, month number two. It, Hebrew parents didn't do that. They didn't celebrate birthdays. They celebrated progress. And one of the progresses that a child should make is they have to get off the mother's milk. And this was a big moment. Isaac is no longer drinking milk. Uh, the parents are now going to save on formula. And this was a big situation. 
But as they are celebrating the progress of Isaac, the child who has already been there, Ishmael, for 13 years, looks at this situation and he's laughing. Is there something wrong with watching the daily show and getting a little bit of a laugh? No. In fact, I encourage you to, to, to watch comedy and, 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 and enjoy yourself. There's a little levity and a little joke is, is, is okay. Or you, you say it in Bahasa, a little berchanda. That's all right. But what's happening here is not just a little bit of a joke. Because when you go back a few, a few chapters before, what you realize is this. God tells Abraham, uh, Abraham your son, your, 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 your daughter, not your daughter, your wife, she's 75, but she is going to have a kid. Sarah listens to that and says, God, come on, man. I mean, I know you're a miracle worker. You created the world and everything. I understand all of that. But look at me. I'm old. I can't have a kid. So she laughed. And so God says, Isaac. I mean, God says to Abraham, Abraham, because your wife laughed at me, I want you to call your son Isaac, which means laughter. And now when Sarah sees Ishmael laughing, in her mind, she's remembering the moment when she also laughed at God in disbelief, not thinking that God could actually do it. And so when Ishmael is laughing at Isaac, in the mind of Sarah is, Ishmael doesn't believe that my son can be anything. Ishmael doesn't believe that my son can progress. Ishmael doesn't believe that my son has potential. And so she's saying, I got to get rid of Ishmael. Here's the problem for my son. Cast him out. He's the son of a slave woman. He doesn't belong here. He's got to go. And I want somebody to understand that, look, disruption should not cripple you. You can create a detour. When I came this morning, I met Eric Calvin. And for some reason, you know, when, when I'm preaching, God gives me stories to kind of just elevate the sermon and help me to understand, I think you have chosen the right sermon to preach today. So he told me, you know what, Pastor, I've been, I've been waiting for a long time to do something. I wanted to study, and, and I, just, I just thought I didn't have the time. So this week, I finally took the plunge because I wanted to progress my life. And therefore, I'm taking courses that are, are going to elevate me to be a better, a better employee, to, to be a better manager, to be, to be better in my position. And he was telling me, you know what, Pastor, it's so difficult because I have to invest 21 hours and, and there's so much that goes into it. And I read a, 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 a seven, seven, seven pages. It seemed like it took me 30 minutes to read a page. But I love that story. You know why? Because he's saying, I'm not just going to let my life continue the same way it is. I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to do something that is difficult, but it's going to elevate me. You might be telling yourself, I am burnt out. So what do you do? Disrupt yourself. Start doing an activity that makes you feel good and relax. Pastor, I'm always sad. I'm never happy. So disrupt yourself by learning a new skill. Pastor, I don't have control of the family finances. So disrupt yourself by starting a family business. Are we together? Anybody in the house this morning? Too many of us are living on Complain Avenue. 
But what God is calling us to do, like Sarah is, let's change the situation. Let's change the dynamic. Let's do something different so that your life doesn't have to be stuck and still and, 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 and stable. But actually, let's make progress and move somewhere. The marriage can get better. The job can get better. The health can get better. The finances can get better. The relationship can get better. Whatever it can get better, the question is, are you willing to make the decision? Amen, somebody? So I want to tell you four things that are going to help you to stack your disruptions. Four things, and then I'm out of here. Four things. Number one, don't normalize faithless decisions. You say faithless decision is a decision you make when you don't believe that God can do it. See, Brother Jeff, the problem was Sarah believed in God, but he just took too long. And now there is pressure on her life because any woman in her culture, if she did not have a child, was seen as less than a woman. And so Sarah is saying, God, you have promised it. I'm not seeing no action. Nothing is moving. So I need to take matters into my own hands. Now, most of us look at that situation and we say, yeah, Sarah didn't have faith and all these things. But I want you to understand that most faithless decisions are actually hereditary. Meaning that the decision that Sarah made was a decision that was accepted within the culture. Every woman who was not able to give birth was supposed to give a mate to her husband so that the husband can have a child on behalf of her. This was accepted. And so Sarah's decision was really an inherited decision. And that's the truth this morning. That some of the decisions are so automatic to us because we have inherited those things. Some of us make decisions because of where we came from. The truth is, some of you, because your parents always separated, always lived in different houses, you have also inherited commitment phobia. And anytime something goes wrong in the relationship, you're ready to bail. Some of you, because of abuse in the house, you have also inherited abusive tendencies, passive aggressive, mean, manipulative. Some of you, because of tradition, you have inherited tribalism. And so the only people you feel comfortable with are your people. And you're a Christian. I love Jesus. He's coming soon. Some of you, because you have heard all your life, politicians are bad. They are corrupt. They are crooked. So what do you do? You never vote. But you complain all the time. Ah, look at the president. Oh, you're wasting the money. When did you last cast a vote? But because we've inherited certain things, some of us are just automatic. Mom was like this, you are like that. Dad was like this, you are like that. Inherited. And here is Sarah's, Sarah's decision because it's not really who she is. But it's because it's been inherited. And this is what I learned, honestly, as I was thinking about the story, is that sometimes, listen to me carefully, God will delay you. Because he wants to detox you from what you've inherited. 
Can you imagine? For 25 years, they left their home. God says, I'm going to bring you to a land. You're going to have many descendants. But God is not doing it. For 25 years. So Sarah says, hey, look, man, I've had enough of this. Husband, look, man, I can't be looking at the neighbor. Look, she's, she, she has a baby. And I, I can't be doing that. Come on, come on, come on, Abraham. And because Abraham was also used to the culture, what could Abraham do? Abraham simply said, hey, let's go along with this. And there they were. But notice, I want you to notice this. When it was at a critical moment, that is when it was shown that it was a bad decision to let Abraham and Hagar have a kid. Because it is always going to flare up. It is always going to come up at the wrong moment. I never thought it would be like this. I never thought... It will turn out like this. The reason for that is because you did not look carefully at the decision. You did not analyze carefully why you made the decision. And now you're suffering simply because you inherited something. Number two. We got three more to do. If you want to stack your disruptions. Number two. Don't go along to get along. Help me out, church. Don't go along to get along. Amen, somebody. You know, we have a culture, myself included, we like to please people. It's good to see people smile. That's okay. But sometimes, in our effort to please people, we neglect and we forego our own desires. You don't want to go to the family gathering, but hey, the family is there, so, so you're going to go. <laughs> and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to a family gathering, but there are moments where you're, you're tired, you, you don't have energy, you, you, you don't have it. And, and so what you really need in the moment is not to go to the gathering, but you, you need to rest. Sometimes you, 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 just want to, you just need to be at home, you, you don't need to go to the restaurant, but because you're with somebody who likes to go out and, and enjoy, you go along with that. But here is the problem. Peace established on unwillingness is conflict waiting to happen. Aren't you surprised sometimes you argue with somebody and then they tell you stuff that makes you wonder, why are they saying it like that? It's your family. It's your church. It's your job. Because the people are, who are talking like that is they, are, they, they have resentment in their heart. They, they're angry about it because they, they, they wanted to please you in the moment, but it wasn't really in their heart. And this is what I need you to understand. The reason why Sarah ended up letting go of, of, of Ishmael is because it wasn't in her heart. What woman wants to allow her husband to have an, a child with another woman? Nobody. And so when something better came along... When God finally actually did it, she said, you know what? I've got to get rid of Ishmael because he ain't mine. And I never really, really wanted it. And notice what she calls him. Cast out this slave woman. And her son, Brother Clinton. She didn't even call him a name. Because when you cannot stand... On your decisions, other people take the blame. I found something amazing as I was looking at this situation. Is 
Sarah wants to get rid of Ishmael, but Abraham doesn't. Abraham doesn't want to do it. And notice, the text says, and the thing was very displeasing. That's the Bible's way of saying Abraham was really upset on account of his son. And I think any, any, any father wants to protect a child. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy, because of your slave woman. Hold up, Brother Nick. Come on now. Let's rewind. Now, now husbands, yeah, sometimes the wife is right. Most of the time. Amen. I heard that the second time this week. This is the second time this week. I've heard that. God is preaching to me a sermon. That's a sermon for me right here this morning. The thing was displeasing. But God says, Abraham, your wife, Elder Ray, is right. Elder Donald, your wife is right. Brother Johan, your wife is right. And now, did God agree with Sarah because she was a saint? No. But Sarah's decision was a realignment with God's vision. Ah, it was a realignment with God's vision because God's vision was, I'm going to save humanity without their involvement. I'm going to take old people that cannot give children, that cannot have kids, and I'm going to work in them and bring out a child, a miracle child, without their involvement. I'm going to do that. I don't need Ishmael. I don't need a slave woman. I need me. And only me. And I need you to obey. And so the reason why God agreed with Sarah is not because she was always right. But he was right. And he's saying, Abraham, you are off course. You are out of alignment with me. And therefore, your wife is seeing it correctly. So don't be sad. Don't be mad. Follow the path because that's the path of salvation. Listen to me, child of God. Sometimes it is painful. Sometimes it is difficult. Sometimes you must let go of something that you like. Sometimes you must give it up. But the only way you're going to be saved is when you give it up. The only way salvation is going to come is when you unsubscribe. The only way salvation is going to come is when you delete that account. The only salvation is going to come is when you stop talking to the side chick. The only way salvation is coming when you say, I'm going to be disciplined with my money. So don't go along to get along. Whatever your wife says to you, do it, do it, do it. You know, I love this, Pastor Sam. When I was, I was reading the text, because here it is. Here it is. Sarah and Abraham have gotten themselves into a sticky situation. And some of us have gotten ourselves into sticky situations. <laughs> situations we want to get rid of and, and we want to avoid. Right? But here is God saying, I'm going to get you out of this situation. You're not right. In fact, you've made a mistake. But I'm going to get you out of this situation because notice what God does. God allows a Sarah to get rid of a son who needs his father and to get rid of the family that depends on them. And God agrees with that. 
And some people may read that and say, wait a minute. Why would God be so unkind to Hagar and Ishmael and, and somehow let Sarah and Abraham get away with it? But I want you to understand that it's, it's God's way of saying that even though you make a mistake, but I love you so much that I'm willing to get you out of the situation, not because you're good, not because you're right, not because you're in alignment with me, but because I love you so much because I want to fulfill my plan in your life. Because I still see you as it. I still believe <laughs> that you are the one I can do great things with. Amen, somebody. You've got to praise God that, yeah, it was just a pregnancy scare. <laughs> and that's not because God got you out of it, but God is saying, let's go. <laughs> You got to praise God that, yeah, you, you are under the influence and you're driving on the road. You could have hit somebody, but God says, I'm going to protect you. You're going to get home. You got to praise God that, yeah, you, you started to talk to her. You started to talk to him, but God made sure nobody found out. And that's not because you're good, but he's saying, God loves me. God wants the vision to continue. God wants me to survive. Number three, I think I'm going to end it on here. The, the musician's going to be coming. I ain't got time for all four points, but I'm going to go right here. Number three, don't sit on information, execute. Don't sit on information, execute. Abraham wasn't happy with it. He was sad that he had to let go of his son. But the next thing that happened in the morning is that Abraham executed on the information. Knowledge. That you execute is power. We, we like to say knowledge is power, but it's not true. The knowledge you execute is power. Because what good is it knowing that healthy eating is good for your body when you actually don't eat healthy? What good is it when you know that saving your money at the end of the month is good, but you never save your money? And that's where most of us are, is that we, we, we like to live on I know. Many of you, yeah, best I know that. I know the Bible. I know debits and credits. I know, I know, I know. And some of us say I do on the altar, but the rest of the time it's I know, I know. I know I'm supposed to love her. I know I'm supposed to respect him. I know I'm supposed to do this. I, I know I'm supposed to be to, to come to church early. I know, I know, I know, I know. And we live on I know Avenue. But Abraham says we need to live on I do Avenue. You have heard something this morning. It's not time to post about it. It's really time to execute. If you don't execute, nothing happens. So Abraham says, you know what? I'm not going to allow this situation to delay. It's fresh on my mind. God has asked me to take action early in the morning. He got up and he did it. Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and skin of water and gave it to Hagar and, and he put it on her shoulder along with the child and went her way. Some of us, the actions we need to take, they need to be as drastic as Abraham. 
You know, some of us, we break up, but we really don't break up. We, 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 we keep texting to check up. Hey, how you doing? We, 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 one foot is out, but the other foot is still in. And we start to, like we're stretching. Abraham, he cut it off. He let her go. But I loved how Abraham did it. He did it humanely. He wasn't rude to her. He didn't disrespect her. But he made it very clear that, look, you and me, Hagar, today it's over. We're not doing this no more. As much as I want to keep you, but the vision for God in my life doesn't allow that in this moment. So therefore, we got to part ways. And this is what somebody needs to do this morning. That you have got to just make that drastic decision, cut off the distraction, disrupt your life, and keep moving. Because sometimes, 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 the only way to deal with the disruption is to disrupt yourself. To bring in something more disruptive. To change it. Listen church, I want to disrupt my life in 2024. There are things about me that I, I want to change. I really do. One of the things I've been telling myself, to be honest, is I want to be honest to myself. And I want to be accountable to me. I'm telling myself every day I'm going to sleep at 10, but these days I've been sleeping at 11.30 at 10, very late. And last night the wife comes, hey, hey, why you not sleeping? You told me you're going to sleep at 10. I said, ah, I'm pre preparing the sermon. <laughs> but God convicted me. Henry, you, you promised that you'll be accountable to yourself. Can you keep your word? When you say 10, it is going to be 10. That's my commitment to myself. I don't know what commitment you need to make to yourself. What disruptions you need to bring in your life. So that God can elevate you to the next level of your experience. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Mighty God, thank you today because you have spoken. And I want to talk and pray on behalf of your people. There are some drastic decisions that need to be made in our lives. And some of us are just keeping things and hanging on. But Lord, help us to make decisions that are going to lead us to levels we've never been to. Somebody needs to be disrupted this morning. Somebody needs to do something. And I'm asking you, Father, that this, this day, this morning, that it may happen. Give faith. Give hope. Give courage. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. God bless you.